Hello and welcome back to the Challenges and Icons interview series and today I'm talking to Anthony Fletcher who's the CEO of Grays.com. Well, launched in 2008, Grays.com revolutionized and reinvented the world of healthy and convenient snacking by creating a snacking subscription service delivering healthy, tasty snacks and fruit by post. So Grays.com was started by seven friends who felt their taste buds and waistlines were suffering at the hands of average snacks. And they started inventing snacks that showed off health's more pleasurable side and working out the best ways to get them into like-minded and busy foodies. So the man who is the pioneer behind this very healthy brand is CEO Anthony Fletcher. With educational accolades from Princeton and the London School of Business and Finance, Anthony was formerly the Innovations Manager at Innocent Drinks Limited. And so it is with great pleasure that uh, I'm going to go inside their studios and uh, talk to Anthony and welcome him to the Challenges and Icons podcast. Well, Anthony, it's a real pleasure to have you on Challenges and Icons today. Um, I'm a big fan of your brand. Um, and I think I just wanted to start out talking about the sort of the business success behind Grays. And, uh, you know, there was an interesting anecdote. You just, you told me that you started out on the day that Lehman Brothers collapsed in 2008, which is the, of course, the, the date that we can track back to the global financial crisis. And now you're a huge success. Um, what do you think is the, the key to achieving that success in that uh, you know, relatively short period of time? So uh, Grace has gone from the bedroom uh, to 50 million pounds in around uh, five years. And it's continuing to grow really, really quickly. I think what Grace has, which is very unusual, is the way it embraces technology. And this is a real facilitator which can help your business in lots of different ways. In fact, it has very unusual origins. Many of the people who came together to form Grays came from a company called Love Film, which was famous for sending DVDs through the post and built this fantastic infrastructure and way of communicating uh, with their customers. And uh, there was a problem in this industry. People started to download DVDs and these people asked themselves, well, you know, what should we go and do with this fantastic technology and this fantastic way of, uh, uh, of interacting with the customer? And they thought, food, that can't be downloaded. We should go and look at what we can do there. Brilliant. And uh, that sort of really ties into the, my next question, which is about the, the role of design and technology. Um, you, you've managed to fuse technology and design of the brand and the experience of the brand incredibly well. And, uh, and so talk to me a little bit about that as you've, as you've expanded, how you've, you've embraced that even further. I know that there are uh, two, how many people do you say? 400 people working for you globally? There's 400 people working and, for you. And yet there is an incredible you know, infusion of te technology behind everything as well. So what's the future? So kind of what we think is there's this enormous market, this enormous food market, and so much of it is transacted through retailers or uh, through shops or very traditional ways. And what technology lets you do is have the relationship directly with the consumer. And this just has so many different advantages. You can communicate with them directly. So you can, you can tell them things, which is difficult to do via, uh, via, via a retailer. It also lets you have data, which comes back and lets you have an ongoing uh, relationship uh, with them. So just to give you an example, one of the things which is quite unusual about Grays is how vertically integrated it is. Not only do we have the relationship with the consumer, but we also make all of our own foods. Now, by having all of these things, you can do things very differently. So for instance, we iterate on our new product development very fast. We launch a product. If the customer doesn't like it, we find out very quickly 
why that is, and with our own manufacturing, we can respond. So Grace has probably launched about a thousand products to get to the 140 it has today. We launch a new product pretty much every week. Hmm. And that, and that, I think that's that, that's an amazing. Um, in, embracing of kind of you know failure, if you like, it's kind of like well, let's try something, and if it doesn't work, we'll move on. We'll, and so perfection, failure, and innovation, and then the whole creative process is embedded within the company. Um, it seems to me, from 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 afar, and means that you're able to respond uh, very quickly. Um, and I, but I, I think that, that also the it can't be underestimated the you know the, the value of the, the experience when the consumer receives the package through the post. They, they just are receiving something which they themselves have been part of the, the creation of that, I, I, I guess. And the, and the identity in the packaging is all part of that. Of course, absolutely. So we're not just a product. What we can put around it is the whole sense of service. Uh, so for instance, one of the things we can do which you know, a traditional retailer would struggle with is personalize our boxes. And this isn't just about the messaging you give the customer. This is the, um, the mix of products or the service you can give them. So we have people who sign up and they're on a diet. They let us know this and instantly we can curate for them products which are suitable for their diet. We have customers who come to us and they're lactose intolerant. Normally they'd have to spend hours walking around the shelves examining products to try and find those lactose, uh, uh, those dairy-free products. What we can do is personalize the product to them. So you're absolutely right. The relationship means that you are a service brand as well as a product brand. And by being a service brand, you can bring new benefits to the, to the customer. It's an incredibly you know, brave model because of the fact that the, you know, the innovation is embedded in the, in the day-to-day uh, basis of it and it's responding to people's needs and, and a, a shift in people's eating habits. And uh, it's no surprise then that uh, you've been a big success in America. And, um, and I, 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 you know, with our research running up to this, we, we noticed that you've been tailoring some of your products to a more US-specific uh, taste. Um, have, you, have you also adjusted the whole brand message, the design and the, the verbalization as well as the, as the product profile to suit that market? So I think you hinted on this earlier, Grey's whole approach is very different. Because of this vertical integration, because we're only beholden to our consumers and maybe don't have complex retailer relationships, we're allowed to fail fast uh, as long as we respond um, quickly to the needs. So we launched in America in a very unusual way. Uh, we looked at the way Tesco had done it. They'd done years of market research and then they committed to a, to a bold strategy. We did the opposite. What we did was come up with a minimum viable product for the American consumer and we sent it to them and then we relied on the feedback the American consumer gave us to understand how we should change the brands to suit them. And what this meant is we weren't surprised by any of those terrible unknown unknowns you often get when you go internationally. I, I, I've certainly been there. Brands can get it very wrong, take it, uh, taking taking themselves to a, to another territory. Mm. And um, well, that's something I can relate to as well. Having uh, a business in in uh, America as well, it's uh, you you simply can't just take what exists in one in England, for example, and plonk it over there. You have to adapt and adjust your tone of voice and uh, and and uh, you know and, and respond to, to those markets' needs, and and yet at the same time deliver something of quality which, uh, which is at the heart of what, what, you know, what you stand for. So um, the American expansion is, is, is phenomenal and, and congratulations on everything that, you, that you've done there. And, 
And, and it's interesting because, you know, you, you also mentioned a little bit earlier that you're some of the, the people behind the, the setup have come from the Love Film background and you, you have been compared to the, the Netflix, um, uh, you know, of the, the food and snacking kind of market. And, uh, and there's a lot of subscription service brands that are, go that are going on. Do you think, um, Grays will continue to drive the personal engagement with its brand, um, in this, with this model? for the foreseeable future, or do you see expansion beyond that particular model? Well, I think what we're seeing is, is a couple of interesting indicators in the market beside Grace's success. General Mills, uh, one of the world's largest companies, uh, food companies, have launched a product very similar to Grace because they're very interested in those benefits, going directly to the consumer, personalization, you know, what new benefits can you bring? There's been a huge wave of investment in food technology brands over the last six months, uh, on, on, on the west coast of, of America. So I, I do think that many people are looking at this like us, this, this market so large with all these complex consumer issues and how technology can disrupt it. Mm. Well, good luck with, with all the, you know, the, the, your future plans. And, and, you know, Nibbler, which is the General Mills um, snack service that you just mentioned, um, you know, one film's being cynical could say is a very flattering, you know, imitation of, uh, of what you had pioneered and, and, you know, and, and basically established as the sort of the, uh, the first person into the marketplace. What, what do you, so as we've got major competitors coming in and we know that snacking is a global phenomenon and there are, you know, mega corporate businesses out there which are all about just snacking. What do you see are your biggest business challenges uh, against that kind of backdrop as you, as you have opened up this market and now other people are coming in? Well, absolutely. You know, we're, we're very flattered by General Mills entering the market. We see it as a real validation of something which we feel we've believed passionately for many years and now seems to be gaining a, um, a, a wider acceptance. But the entrepreneur will win here who is flexible and fast because this story is only just beginning and everyone's only just really learning about what these type of businesses can and can and can't do. So, you know, th that's why uh, I, I, I'd back Grace. <laughs> well, I would too. Um, I think the, you know, just being here in your, you know, in your, your, your business premises today, it's very clear looking at the kind of the way that you experiment with technology and conceptualization and we're sitting here in the R&D kitchen. There's a, there's a, a flood of ideas here, which I can see is going to be the backbone of your, your future success. And, um, and I think, you know, inevitably, you know, you're, you are first into a, into a market where there is a huge and growing you know, awareness and need for healthier sort of food products. Your business is growing as we, as the evidence says. And, um, and I suppose the inevitable kind of, you know, destiny of brands like yours, where you're seeing, um, you know, rapid growth and success and, pioneering kind of way of doing things is that you become ripe for acquisition and or merger or take takeover. I'm not asking you to tell me anything, you know, uh, specific, but um, what are your views on how brands like yours, which inherently can start out being very healthy, uh, very well-meaning, um, how do they, what are the challenges as they grow and become successful and then face the inevitable acquisition? Okay. Well, uh, Grays has always had different groups of shareholders and we've actually changed between those shareholders uh, a number of times. And I think what's really important for me is, are your shareholders, do they share your vision and do they want to go to the same place? And sometimes they can be hugely helpful in getting you there, as well as maybe the, the, the risks, risks you alluded to. And two, do they respect how the culture of the company can be so important from help for helping you 
uh, achieve those, those uh, that vision. I think if they they're aligned behind the vision and they respect your culture and your way of approaching that, um, I, I I think you can, you can work very uh, very very well together. Which is kind of almost identical words to what James Freeman of Blue Bottle Coffee said earlier to me in the series, who is a you know, who's, who's really sort of pioneered a new approach to, to coffee and, uh, and his investors are, are, do match his vision and, and his values, in fact, go out of their way to sort of do anything but disrupt those values. And I imagine that is a, you know, that is a, a modern way of kind of helping uh, businesses facilitate their, their destiny, their brand. And I think there is a, a huge global destiny for, for brands like yours. Um, I just want to return to this theme of innovation um, and, uh, you know, Technology and innovation—it's—it uh, seems to me you are a kind of a, a bit of a pioneer and a, and a benchmark for the way that you kind of um, innovate. Could you just give me a, a few more examples of the way that you kind of, you might respond to say, um, you know, a, a new product idea or a consumer? What's driving your innovation? Is it do you, how, which is, what is the way that you approach innovation? Then how does technology then help deliver that to the to the consumer? Okay, I'll give you maybe a couple of examples. I think the first one is our box. It's quite an unusual item. It's part of our success. It's part of our brand. It stands out in the office. It draws attention. It's it's utility. It fits through the it travels through the mail or through the post in the UK, and it's innocuous enough to land on a desk. But it is a problem. It, it does not have any glue in it. They were originally hand folded by Grays, which is a lovely idea, but is maybe not uh, not scalable. And one day we had to decide. You know, should we change our should we change our box? Should we bring in a box folding machine of some type, which uh, which would have let us, uh, you know, lower our costs and scale? And we decided no. <laughs> we don't think we should change our box. This is this is really important part of who we are. So, an engineer in the factory actually built a robot uh, which can fold cardboard in 19 different ways. And we now have these robots in the factory which fold our graze boxes, which solves our manufacturing issue, uh, but at the other end of the spectrum still gives us something which we think is really important uh, uh, for, the, for the consumer. Mm. Yeah, indeed, and, uh, and, and you're able also to modify um, the actual kind of the graphics and the kind of the, uh, the customization of the packaging as well, I believe, here in yeah, the... So correct. You know, early on we started to realize this kind of fail-fast mentality being able to be incredibly responsive was something unique to us and also something we really enjoyed. So, you know, using technology, for instance, we have built an application where a graphic designer in this building can upload designs directly to our manufacturing lines. And we have dynamic printing presses on the line which will produce their, their design at the same time as the product is being produced. Our product developers, similarly, have access to a similar application they can sit here and program remotely the machines in our factory which, which, which make our snacks. This combination of things means that if someone has an idea 24 hours later, you can be looking at a, a, scalable, a scalable product you can send to consumers. 24 hours later, the consumer has received that and they're responding with their rating. So sometimes, you know, you're 48 hours away from finding out whether something, you know, really works or not. And that is a fantastic insight, I think, into the, the, the future of sort of brands in, in general um, as a, you know, technology in the way that you're describing it and a mindset and the kind of the whole um, approach to uh, making swift changes um, in a responsive way that all you know, nurture what the brand is all about. I think it's a salient lesson to many a marketeer 
who spends a lot of money on research and, uh, and also development and without actually getting something to market to show for it at the end of it, that this is a great new model and that I think it's terrific. I wanted to uh, talk about food culture now. Uh, a lot of the work that we do that, that supports our design thinking is, uh, is supported by research into the future of food and drink, the human body, and, uh, and a number of other different areas. And um, one of the things that we've sort of been noticing recently is, is that whilst there was a sort of a massive shift towards um, he um, health and convenience, there is also um, a real desire for brands that create you know, long-lasting and deep experiences. And, um, and I just wondered if you kind of if have been noticing that um, or what other shifts that you think are having the greatest impact um, in the area of food culture. Mm, it's interesting. Um, I, I think there's, there's different enemies. You know, there is unhealthy food, um, which is fine if you want to indulge or have a treat, but, uh, you know, there's rather a lot of it, a lot around. But there's also this mindless eating when you eat a piece of food without maybe fully appreciating it. Maybe sometimes you don't even realise um, that you're eating. And Gray's, you're right, wants to create more of an experience, more of a moment, have this really uh, special moment where the person who has put the product together can communicate the concepts behind the idea. And that definitely translates to uh, you know, a greater appreciation of that product as well. Mm. Do you see yourself sitting in a world of uh, complementary brands that, that, that deliver experiences? Do you have a, a sort of a, 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 a reference set that you kind of admire or, or look at that, that, is, that are delivering experiences in similar ways, but in maybe different sectors? Yes, I think there's, there's certainly a lot of analogues. And that's, as you said, the wonderful thing about food is it's, it's just a melting pot in this country at the moment. And every day you see something new and exciting or you know, a, a different approach to a problem. Um, in, 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 terms of, in terms of brands, what I particularly admire at the moment is a lot, a lot of what the retailers are actually doing and how they are building experiences around the products or new ways of presenting the, the product to, uh, to the customer. So, for instance, our local Whole Foods, it's somewhere between a supermarket and somewhere you might go to, to um, eat, eat some lunch. And I, I think that's a very interesting space in terms of ex the communication experiences. Brilliant. So um, let's just talk about I mean, marketing. You have been kind of mentioning as we go through it, it seems like it's a totally infused culture of creativity, marketing and, and innovation and, and product uh, development. But, um, but what has helped you uh, build your profile the most in these you know, very dramatic um, years since 2008? Is it word of mouth? Is it social media? What's been the the, the, I think the, the driver of growth for you, building awareness for the brand. I, th I think fundamentally, Grey's is a very unusual concept. And when it enters someone's life, it, it makes a, an impact on them because it is just a, such a different way of approaching a problem. And you know, that is something they talk to their co-workers about or maybe share their snacks. Um, so word of mouth we have definitely seen is the springboard which got us out of the blocks in the, in the, in the UK. Mm. And uh, it's definitely, I think, uh, you know, Grey's is definitely a talking point when it arrives. And, uh, you know, in our studio, there are several subscribers. And uh, you, you know full well that uh, your brand is having an impact when you see that literally being shared around the studio and, and uh, goodie boxes being shared in, in the afternoon when people are just having their kind of like their afternoon lull. And uh, there's a, there's a, there is literally a physical sharing of products and, and brand when that takes place. So word of mouth, of course, is incredibly important. And, uh, and you know, long may that continue for you. And I, I suspect with the American market, it's going to be um, 
the challenge is, is scale, I would imagine. Well, well, what we've seen and, you know, why has Grey's continued to be successful in the UK is that we have managed to move beyond the initial buzz of word of mouth. You know, what we found was this was very young professionals. This was, uh, you know, about uh, predominantly working uh, women, creating communities where maybe they all graze together. What we have found as um, we have grown is actually we're bringing in some very radical new segments or maybe not radical, maybe surprising, uh, especially kind of uh, suburban housewives. So for them, this is still a treat they receive. This is still uh, a snack which they can enjoy, which is allowed. And the vision of the brand is just as relevant for them as it is for some uh, young professional in an office environment. So a much more uh, widely accepted proposition than you may immediately think. Yeah, and um, and also just talk about you know children. And the, the, I know you have a product specifically in, you know, designed for children, uh, and they are notoriously a difficult market to sort of uh, get to snack healthily. Um, and and yet you seem to be successfully getting in there and uh, and well. So it's quite ironic. I mean, the insight which powers our kids' box is how, uh, in this day and age, children never receive mail. So, uh, ironically, for a technology brand, by sending them a piece of mail, which is addressed to them, is a really special moment for a child and makes them reevaluate uh, the box and uh, you know what the contents can mean for them, which obviously really pleases the parents when uh, you know, they snack on something they may not have expected them to like. Mm, yeah, it's the complete opposite of junk mail. It know, is, yes. Um, and uh, junk food, of course, as well. So, you know, I, I think one of the themes that's just coming through here, and, I, and before this interview started, I kind of, you know, we, we had a, a chat about sort of uh, bravery and failure, and you were like, well, I don't think we're particularly brave. But I, it, it seems to be that you are very brave, and but it, it's just masked by the fact that that is just... Uh, in the company's DNA, everyone seems to be behind this idea of uh, innovating fast and, and bringing great products to people, permission to fail. And, and, I, and so this is a terrific in the sense that you actually embrace risk, but you minimize it at the same time. Um, and, uh, and so mistakes clearly matter to you. you know, it's, like it's important that you do make mistakes rather than, and learn from them so that you can perfect something is the way that I've been seeing things. So, if you were giving advice to on an entrepreneur that's out there at the moment that's considering getting their you know great idea off the ground, what advice would you give them in the area of risk and and bravery and that theme? I, I think what um, both from Grey's and from Innocent Drinks really resonated with me is how can you test your product with consumers and get that real feedback from them? So how do you not bet the company in those early stages, but instead try to learn as much as possible? as quickly as possible and be very, very nimble. Be open-minded. You may not get it right straight away. It may not even be plan B. I think Grey's is probably on plan F at the moment um, in terms of the different products we've iterated with and our, our different theories on, 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 on how to approach this, op uh, this opportunity. Hmm. Great. Well, it's clearly, uh, you know, it's a, it's a healthy business um, in many uh, senses and uh, just I think it's a terrific success story and uh, yeah, I think your future is, remains uh, to be very healthy indeed. So congratulations on everything you've done so far and thank you very much for taking part today and uh, talking to us. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you.